Welcome back to Seven Seconds or More. This is episode 55. I am your host, as always, Peter Howarth, joined as usual by Duncan Adele. Uh, Duncan, how's it going? It's It's been like a month. Yeah, wow. Already a month. It just feels like yesterday we were covering the preseason. Now we're, what, nine days into the regular season? Nine days. Yeah, yeah. You're on the money there. Um, I it, It's... It's been a, a longer delay than than we would like. I'd like to apologize to to all, all the fans out there. Shout out to you. Um, yeah, we're still trying to like figure out the best way to to record, best schedule for everyone. Um, Dan Dan is sick, so he he can't be on today's show. All the Dan fans out there, I apologize. Um, but we're we're excited to be here nonetheless. We have a lot of lot of things to talk about. It's been a busy nine days in the season. Um, so let let's stop beating around the bush, and we'll get to everyone's favorite Charlotte Hornets segment, Buzz City Banter. Um, I, I want to preface the segment by uh, playing a clip from inside the NBA. It was on Halloween night. Um, so just before before you answer a couple questions I have for you, Duncan, uh, here's the clip. I is the Charlotte Hornets on a grave type. There's no other team in the NBA. over there. For, I. I... I have no it's idea. It's the only what. team in the But why would you bring it up? Because Thank it's... You. Thank be, you. Come on. Cause, cause, pay attention. It says Charlotte Hornets on the great You know you team. got ADD, but pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm watching the guy with the cameraman go by, and I see it says Charlotte Hornets, and I'm like, they're not dead? Why are they dead? Well, who, who hates the Hornets in here? Man, LaMelo and the rest of those guys, so they're good players, man. That's, that's not right. That's yeah. another one. LaMelo and those rest of them guys. <laughs> Miles Bridges used to be there. P.J. Washington. P.J. Washington, go. yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, so coming off that, I have two questions for you, Duncan. Um, so one, like Kenny asked, are the Hornets dead? You know, they're, they're looking dead. They, they put on the zombie makeup for Halloween. They, they look dead, but I do not think they're quite dead yet. Got to give it another, like, 20 games for better or for worse miles bridges is coming back don't know how i feel about that bad human but good at basketball so there's that but they're starting to mesh a little better and brandon miller is that guy like kenny kenny's asking for i'm going into your second question kenny, kenny's asking for the guys that are right behind Lamelo. brandon miller off the bench averaging dang near 16 6 with only 1.3 turnovers, which I think is a huge thing to highlight as a rookie on a team that's just turning over the ball on 47%, 42% from three, 83% from the line, almost a 50, 40, 90, I guess a couple percentages off. But, you know, for a rookie, it is not bad. And with LaMelo kind of looking like not complete booty, but, you know, he's he's had better stretches in his career and he's being super inefficient, kind of just taking like rec ball threes whenever things aren't going his way and he gets frustrated he just gets to three point three feet behind the three-point line and just chucks one up and sometimes when he's in rhythm they go down but that's that's not how to get out of a slump so the hornets are not dead yet but you know give it give it a couple more games if they're five and twenty i'm ready to raise the white flag five and twenty uh that is that would be dire straits um even five and ten i'm uh they're not dead Five and fifteen, I'm out. Uh, that's a little, a little closer, I guess, to what it could be. <laughs> uh, well, five and fifteen would be on pace, right? Because you're one and three. That's the two fifty uh, winning percentage. Um, uh, a lot to unpack, though, with what you said. Um, first, is like Miles Bridges confirmed coming back after the ten games? Because I know he was like re-arrested or he was back in court, and I, I 
there's been so much on going on with him. I, I, I don't know the latest, to be honest with you. Yeah, so unfortunately, I do know the latest as a Charlotte Hornets fan, and there has been no news after that like recent thing. As of right now, he's coming back after the 10-game suspension. Um, whether when we get closer to that 10 games, I would not be surprised if they wind up extending that suspension or waiting to see what happens with all of those proceedings because, you know, all that criminal trial stuff, as we saw with other players like Deshaun Watson, is super slow. So... Uh, whether in the NBA kind of has a track record of when they're not sure, just don't let the player play. <laughs> uh, and especially with the Charlotte Hornets new uh, management, I'm sure they want to stop having that reputation of being, you know, a bunch of low lifes on the team. Um, so I would not be surprised if he's not playing as of right now, there's been no definitive news saying that. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. Uh, that's, I do think it is good that the NBA sort of has, I mean, I don't know if it's like a strict policy, but that they lean towards that direction because like in the NFL, Alvin Kamara, he was suspended the first six games of this season. Was it four, three, four? I think, yeah, three yeah or something, four. something like that. And it, the, the, he, the case that he was suspended off of was from like 2021 or 29. It, it was like multiple years, but, the court proceedings took so long that they just kept delaying and kept pushing, you know, any sort of suspension back. Um, and, and I don't know, it just has all, a real weird feeling to it. Um, but, but before I forget, um, yeah, Brandon Miller, uh, I didn't say it on this show cause we haven't had the show in a while, but he was like a dark horse rookie of the year guy for me because he's been putting the ball in the basket a lot, which just like pure volume is super important for rookies. Um, yeah, and the efficiency, like you said, is insane. To even sniff 50-40-90 um, at, at that 15.5 points a game as a rookie is is really crazy. Um, and hopefully that that th- this isn't like a little rookie honeymoon moment where in a couple of weeks the tape will be out and everyone will start to adjust against his tendencies and, and he'll sort of have, have a downslope. But for now, it is. Um, I, I think they have to feel happy. Hornets fans like yourself, um, that you went him over Scoot. Yeah, I mean, and Scoot has had as many, like, what is it, as many turnovers as points or something like that. I saw a graphic. He has not been doing particularly well. And the other thing with B-Mill is he's not like a, his game is not one-dimensional, you know? That's the thing. I think teams are going to take a little bit of trouble adjusting to him. Uh, they'll probably find something. He's a rookie. But it's not like, oh, force him left. No, it's, he. he goes left, he goes right, he's, cutting to the rim he's shooting from three he's creative with his shot making and all of that so i think he has a good chance to uh secure a spot in the league for many years and we were talking uh, before the show uh about how he kind of reminds us of his favorite player pg not saying he's paul george yet that's a it's a huge leap but you know he said paul george was his goat um which sure why not i guess but he, yeah, it's, we get kind of some of that. He's averaging maybe like half a steal and half a block, which isn't huge. But, you know, on his about 20, high 20 minutes per game, I think he could maybe, maybe that's his ceiling as a PG, which would be pretty great. Perennial all-star. Yeah, I, I don't think you'd be upset with, with a Paul George ceiling. Um, yeah, I mean, he's clowned at the time. And, and I, I totally agree with everyone that was clowning him for, for saying PG was his goat. But, you know... Yeah, you know, maybe go to a loose term. Maybe, maybe we're doing it too strict. Uh, if it's his favorite player and, and he wants to play like him, and again, I 
I I thought of that and I had completely forgot about the his actual comments. Like I the, the Paul George thing, um, just his 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 patience, his his length, um, as, as a scoring wing kind of reminded me of him. Yeah, but as for the Hornets, the other guys behind Lamelo. They've got some room to grow. Um, Mark Williams has had really great moments, uh, some great dunks, always found like underneath the rim. But he just hasn't been super-duper healthy. Him and LaMelo got cleared at the same time around five weeks ago. And I think just getting more and more minutes of the two of them together in that pick-and-roll action will just start to look better. Teo Maladon, like, I like that they have Frank, him and Frank Nilakina, the French connections, but they've just not been good. And for whatever reason, Steve Clifford thinks that these kind of like gritty two-way people that they find like in the dumpster of the NBA are going to be their defensive prowesses. And he said like Frank Nilakina, who's been on with the team for like three weeks, is the best on-ball defender on the team. No, Brandon Miller is your best on-ball defender. Uh, Mark Cody Martin, when he comes back, is your best on-ball defender. Don't say this random guy you found is your best on-ball defender. Like what? And he takes horrible shots horrible shot selection i don't know i'm a little questioning on like why you're investing minutes in people who are not the the future of the franchise when like you just want your young guys to, to show up <laughs> well maybe we should be questioning why uh why the hornets are investing as steve clifford uh in clifford as the coach i mean uh he doesn't have the best track record he i think he has a, a limited ceiling and he um Maybe he's a good developmental coach. I don't really know. But if he is skewing towards these like vets, then I think it's probably suggesting uh, you know the contrary. Yeah, agreed. Take a flyer on a guy. <laughs> yeah, well, well, uh, Michael Jordan was the one who brought Steve Clifford back, and, and Jordan is no longer the owner. So he might not be attached to him. So the Steve Clifford era may be the second era. <laughs> may, may be over, you know, depending on how the season goes. Um, so we're, we're going to move on to our main segment of the day after further review is what we're going to call it. Cause I think it's a great time to take stock of, um, of what teams have caught up on us by surprise. Who's been an early disappointment. Um, I wanted to uh, do like a shoots and ladders punt. I couldn't think of one. Um, I, I was workshopping it. I, I, I was, <laughs> it, it didn't work out, but so it's after further review, we came up with, with three teams that have surpassed our expectations, three that have failed to live up with them. Uh, we, we had a lot of agreement on these. Um, so is, is there a overachiever you'd like to start with, Duncan? Yeah, I'm going to start with maybe my favorite team in the West, the New Orleans Pelicans. Let's start there. Favorite team? Oh, my God. Yeah, go ahead, go know, ahead. When I was starting to watch the NBA, I almost I almost chose them because they had Zion. Like, I've, I've been new to like actually following You did the choose them. Don't, don't pull the plug now. You, you did, and then you, you changed course. I changed course because I think – they were too bandwagony. It was Zion and Lonzo, and I think you were probably like, "No, you can't choose them. That's bandwagon." I was like, "Oh, fine, whatever." But uh, I, I think I'd be probably. much happier if I did. But they're looking pretty good. Jordan Hawkins is kind of not shooting super well. UConn guy Jordan Hawkins, but he's starting, which is cool. When's the last time a UConn player has started a game? The first of Dan Hurley's recruits to start a game, which is kind of mm-hmm. sick. So, uh, looking forward to him. Like it, we can see that even though he's had a shooting slump, like the organization is committed to him they have other guys that they could be starting um but yeah they're fun to watch they got zion zion's playing well when he's playing when and ingram as well when he's playing they're three and one with wins against memphis new york uh and okc they lost versus golden state which was a close game but it was without brandon ingram so they kind of got away from them at the end 
Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you? What are your takeaways from this team, Peter? Yeah, um, it, for for me, there's a weird like depth part. Um, um, now, what they've been able to put on the court right now isn't like their final version, right? Jose Alvarado has been hurt. Trey Burphy, who you know everyone around the league loves, um, no one can stop professing their love for what Trey Murphy is, what he could be, how hard of a worker he is, how good of a guy he is. Uh, but they're waiting on them. And in the meantime, that's led to, yeah, Matt Ryan playing nearly 22 minutes a game. Um, Larry Nance Jr., he, he does what he does. But yeah, Hawkins, uh, for better or worse, has been playing a lot. Herb Jones, Dyson Daniels, all three of them, their efficiencies, yeah, have, have been really bad. Um, and at a certain point, I think Zion Williamson needs to be able to shoot a three. He, he's averaging 0.3 attempts per game. And I think he's shooting 0%. I don't think he's made a single three-pointer this season. And I, I don't know. I think it's going to gonna come back to to bite them at some point. He is like, you know, a 60% for his career around uh, finisher um, in terms of field goal percentage because he's so dominant at finishing at the rim. But for him to have some consistency and to be an all-around like first-team All-NBA guy, which... We thought he could be. He he needs to shoot the three ball, and I just hope it's not because he has the yips and he's scared. Um, I personally can't really get a read on Zion Williamson at all. No one can. Uh, that's that's why he is what he is. But uh, kind of weird that that he's not even shooting it at all. Maybe it's a scheme thing. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Jonas Valanciunas has been shooting thirty six percent to start the season in these four games, which isn't bad on. Uh, right, this isn't telling me how many attempts or on three attempts per game, so he's yeah. averaging a, th- a three made per game. There you um, go. so do you think that's enough for them to stretch the floor? Maybe they've been like, Well, we'll take like Jonas, we'll have him on the outside, like in the corner, clear up the paint a bit for Zion to do his stuff, and then on the other side, have him as that rim protector anchor, like in the paint again. Do you think with that kind of scheme going, would that be enough? Or do you still want Zion taking those threes? Uh, I think that's a fair point, actually, because you want Zion to be mucking it up on the inside and, and having the crazy putbacks because he's that ridiculous fast twitch being able to you know, get the quickest second jump in the league and get the ball right back up. But uh, like I know, I know the stats are, are promising with Valanciunas, but... He uh, he's not a natural shooter. <laughs> if you watch the guy shoot, it's 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 not like a natural shot, and I I just wouldn't have a lot of confidence in it. He's a little bit. I, I think Valanciunas is a better shooter, but Yusuf Nurkic has started to shoot a lot more threes, um, especially now that he's been in Phoenix, and he chucked one up in the last couple of minutes the other night against the Spurs, and uh, Kevin Durant just looked at him and was like, "Bro, calm down. Like, why are you shooting?" with 19 seconds left on the shot clock. Um, <laughs> and I think it's like a feel a shooter thing. I don't know. I, I think having one of one of the two big men between Zion and Valanciunas or whoever it is, one of them needs to space the floor. Um, but Valanciunas, I don't know, he's not a guy I trust in, in that capacity. You know, I have his stats up right now, and it's actually like surprising bit. He's done a bit of the Brook Lopez. It looks like he didn't take a single three his first one, two, three, four, five years in the league. And then... Uh, he took maybe even six years in the league. Then he was 40% on one attempt per game, 30% on one attempt, 
drops a bit below 30s for a couple of years, and then has averaged out to 35% career three-point shooter, which is not great, but for a center, just the threat of being able to do that, it's not horrible. You know, he'll make one out of every three shots and maybe even a little bit more likely than that, which is just enough for you to not leave him wide open. Yeah, maybe I need to eat my words here, but I, I don't know. It's just, meh. Uh, like, like Jonas Valanciunas being the floor spacer, it just doesn't sit right with me. But yeah. hey, the Pelicans are three and one. Um, you know they, they've had good wins because they've beaten the Grizzlies. For we'll talk about them. Uh, they've beaten the Knicks, who have been pretty much the same Knicks team. They've been competitive. They beat the Thunder, everyone's favorite team, and they lost to the Warriors, who look who look I think better than they were last year. So yeah, and and we cannot forget that Trey Murphy had the best Halloween costume with the you ladies all right meme. You know, he was oh, dressed as the ref. that was him. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So even on the bench, uh, <laughs> he's killing it with that. Oh, my God. No, that that was fantastic. Uh, I thought it was a dead meme, but then Trey Murphy kind of kind of revitalized it. That's funny because he looked like the guy a little bit. Like, he, he, he nailed it, that shot they got. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's stop beating around around the bush. Let's go to the under underachiever. Um, we we just mentioned their name, the Memphis Grizzlies. They're zero and five. Okay, they've been the worst team in the league. Uh, they like I said, they lost against the Pelicans. They they lost against the Nuggets. That's fine, but they lost against the Washington Wizards. Okay, like this is weird. What is going on? Um, three of their five losses are by seven points or less. So so maybe they just can't close out games. Maybe they're getting a little unlucky. But like when, at a certain point, maybe you're just like not as good as as you thought, as we thought, as everyone thought. Um, if you look at some of the guys, uh, I think Desmond Bain, he's been really good. He's been a big bucket getter. He's at around like 24 a game. He, um, everyone anticipated him to step up with jaw, uh, jaw suspension, and and he has been that. Um, but Jaren Jackson Jr. He's still he's still a limited player. I mean, I know he won Defensive Player of the Year. And he is, he's blocking two and a half shots a game, but he's still, uh, he's a foul merchant, right? Four fouls a game. He was a huge problem in the FIBA World Cup, too. Uh, that's part of the issue that USA has always had with the big men. That's why it's Bam out of or bust. And that's why, you know, Team USA getting Joel Embiid is, is gigantic. It means less sharing Jackson. Um, and then, it, honestly, Marcus Smart's been good. Uh, I have to mention our Lord and Savior. Uh, he's been just like a higher usage amount of market smart. Uh, but no one has stepped up outside. I know we talked last year about the, the Grizzlies and how they have like a Miami Heat level of culture in which they just draft and develop these guys. But one of them needs to actually break out, right? There's Zaire Williams and David Roddy, John Conchar, uh, Luke Kennard they traded for, uh, Jake Laravia, um, like Xavier Tillman, uh, just none of them have really busted out, and there's been the ample opportunity. I mean, like Derrick Rose is getting a lot of minutes. That shows you the opportunities there. Um, but like one of these guys has to break out at a certain point and kind of get them out of the mud. Um, yeah. I mean, this team, they need a table setter. Like that's kind of the vibe. And last year they had John Morant and Tyus Jones. And John Morant, maybe not necessarily the most typical table setter, but he has some gravity with like, uh, just having to block him up and cut him off, cut his drives off from to the basket. And then Tyus Jones, one of the highest in assist to turnover ratios for the past like five years. 
And now they went from that to Marcus Smart and Derrick Rose. I think that's the biggest difference in this team because the other guys are still they're still balling. They need the table setter or another boost, another gravity guy, um, someone to create for themselves and or create for other people. And Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson haven't they've been good, but zero and five. I don't know if that's something that you can recover from, especially when you're waiting twenty games for your best player to come back. Yeah, I mean, you're totally right. At a certain point, like in the Western Conference, you're going to need to get wins. Um, and certainly playing at Washington, you think that's going to be a win. Um, playing versus New Orleans, you would think that would be a win because you're at home. At Utah, you hope to see if you can win that game. Um, but just to your point about the assist turnover stuff, um, yeah, uh, Ty Jones was around like a five or six assist to turnover guy at his peak, I believe. Um and right now, Marcus Smart's at one and a half assists to turnover. Derek Rose at 1.8. The highest on their team is uh, John Kongshar at six. Um, but that's because he's just not turning the ball over. It's not because he's uh, being a great assist guy. He's averaging one and a half assists. Uh, he just isn't turning the ball over. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe they went, you know, two all in on Marcus Smart. Um we're five games in here, and Jaw isn't back. The final form is Jaw. I don't think you do that big of a trade for Marcus Smart, in which they traded two first-round picks just to be a 25-game stopgap. Clearly, they think he's going to be part of the part of the, the championship potential, you know, down the line here. But uh, yeah, they just don't have the juice right now. It's weird. Yeah, and even Jaw, he had about a like 2.5 assist to turnover ratio. So. That's like better than them. I think it's just a lot fewer possessions than they're used to playing with because there's a lot more turnovers. And I don't know. I like I'm, here. I want to pull up their schedule because like how many games can they be winning? Like in the next fifteen games, they play the Trailblazers twice in a row. Oh, maybe they could win both of those games. Yeah, they play the Trailblazers tomorrow and on the fifth. The Heat, the Jazz again, the Clippers, the Lakers. Like, I don't know. It's not like there's no easy teams in the West to just steal a win against. No. I mean, they're the ninth worst uh, team in terms of defensive rating in the league, and they have the league's worst offense in terms of offensive rating. Um, By the way, second worst offensive rating in the league is the New Orleans Pelicans. (laughs) They just happen to have the defensive juice. Um, But, Yeah. yeah. It's it's the offense. It's it's sort of like jaw or bust. And I know Bain's been pouring the 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 ball into the bucket, but it you know it hasn't led to wins clearly. Yeah, yeah. But maybe it's like that Minnesota Vikings thing, like losing or winning all the single possession games last year, and then losing them all this year. Like they'll lose five in a row, win five in a row, and be at five hundred. Could happen. Could very well happen. They haven't been getting too blown out, so it's just a. Uh, a little, a little bit of bad luck. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a streaky league, and and they've been on the wrong side of it. Um, you know, no matter what you think about the long term, this year, next couple of years, they've been underachievers so far. Uh, no, no doubt about it. Um, do, do you want to try to brighten the mood again? Go back to the overachievers. Um, actually, no. I want to go to another underachiever in the Houston Rockets because oh my make god, me, make me feel better that. Uh, the Hornets lost to them, and they're still in underachievers. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're one and three with their only win being against the Charlotte Hornets, who maybe we should have put in here, but oh well, we talked about them enough. Um, yeah, yeah. 
with losses against Orlando, San Antonio, and Golden State. You know, that being said, three teams I would expect to beat the Houston Rockets, so maybe not that bad. Um, what do you think about the first four games of the Ime Udoka-led Rockets? Yeah, uh, I appreciate you leading with Ime Udoka-led because, uh, hey, maybe this is just like how he works. When when he was with the Celtics, they started off slow, and everyone was wondering, um, you know, the Tatum-Brown stuff. That, that That's when that almost came to a, a head because they were not playing well. That's when they were like sub 500 out of the playoff picture. And then they went on that insane run uh, uh, when the calendar flipped from 2021 to 2022, uh, you know, made game six in the NBA finals. They haven't really looked back. So maybe he just needs some time. Um, like everyone thinks he's a good coach um, and he probably is, um, but he's entering a new organization. Um, still a very young team. And while they did bring in veterans around Jeff Green, Fred Van Fleet, uh, they also brought in Dylan Brooks. I mean, uh, you know, not always the easiest fit. Steph Curry uh, was putting him on skates. Uh, I'm sure everyone saw on Twitter. Um, yeah, so so the Udoka thing stands out. And then and then it's the young guys, right? Sangoon's their leading scorer. And, and he's a good player, but I think that's more of an indictment on what Jalen Green has been. Uh, he, he's around 90% from the line, 89%, I think. So he can shoot, but uh, once again, uh, he just, he's, a, he's an all-time shock shocker. Shooting under 40% from the field. Uh, he's, I think, at 19 points per game. So he's he's just hasn't gotten to that 23-24. Uh, Jabari Smith Jr., he hasn't really lived up to the hype when, when everyone saw that he bulked a little bit. Um, so I think we just have to wait, but I think to a degree they've underwhelmed, at least in my opinion, because I was kind of bullish on them. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, with the whole Ime Udoka thing too, like he was on an underwhelming title contender, <laughs> not on an underwhelming uh, like top five draft pick team. So uh, we'll see what direction this takes. But yeah, with the, the West being as tough as it is, um, you need wins. You can It's harder. Don't count on getting them later. Yeah, uh, it's 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 a situation he hasn't been in with, with the rebuild, and uh, you know we played all those years in San Antonio. They weren't rebuilding. Um, I, I think they can turn around, but um, that that's a good point you raised. Definitely not like the same situation by any means, and it takes some adjustments. Yeah, yeah, but here I, I will humor you. We can go to the light now. Uh, oh, good. What team, what team would? What overachiever would you like to talk about next? Um, okay, so we talked about uh, the Grizzlies, right? We talked about the Pelicans uh, so and the Rockets. So we've done all Western Conference teams. So let's go over to the East, um, which are our only options anyways. <laughs> Those are the remainder of our, our choices here. Uh, uh, I want to talk about the uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, okay? Um, which, I mean, they're 2-1, and one, so I think overachiever might be like a, a loose term. But I just thought they'd be kind of dog water to a degree because I thought Embiid maybe maybe has a little bit of a hangover from the MVP, the whole Harden thing hanging over their head. But even because they haven't uh, gotten the guys from the Harden trade, they haven't played yet, uh, Covington, Morris, Batum, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, their only loss was opening night in Milwaukee. They lost by one, and that was when Damian Lillard actually played well. More on them in a minute. But Tyrese Maxey, he's got the juice. 36-6 and six through three games. I think he can make the All-Star game. 
Um, Tobias, they were pretty vocal about trying to get him more involved. He has been. He's been good. Kelly Oubre, uh, I think he's the best bench player they've had in the Joel Embiid era. Uh, he's averaging 19 a game. And um, I think no matter what they go, if they decide to keep these wings they got, if they decide to flip them, I think they can keep on playing in this new style. I think Nick Nurse has been good for them. And I think, um, you know, depending on how you view Milwaukee at this point, again, we'll, we'll talk about them. Maybe, maybe they're on that plane um, until Milwaukee starts to figure it out. Yeah. Hey, uh, Kelly Oubre, he's the seventh and sixth man of the year right now. Oh, who's uh, who's the top six? Humor me. Um, so we got, going up from Kelly Oubre, we got Jordan Clarkson, Malik Monk, Chris Paul, Emmanuel Quickly, Cam Thomas, and then the favorite to win is Tim Hardaway Jr. Oh, that's, uh, huh. Cam this Thomas is, makes sense. He's averaging like 33 a game off the bench. Yeah, yeah. This is a, uh, I believe, an average of sports books. Or is this FanDuel? Yeah, no, this is FanDuel. Never mind. Yeah, we're not sponsored, but uh, if, if you'd like to FanDuel, shout out. Shout out to you. We'll take it. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I agree. The Sixers have been fun to watch. I, don't, I feel like that hasn't always been the case. No, um, yeah. And it's just a weird thing because they're always a team that had good players, but unless you're a Philly fan, it's just kind of like, oh, the Sixers are playing tonight. Like, screw that. No, they've been good. Tyrese Maxey is really fun to see. He's who James Harden thinks he is. Um, <laughs> maybe that's a little, little strong. But, you know, he's, <laughs> he's like not as talented as James Harden, but when you put the team ahead of yourself, kind of, it's it makes a difference. And just Tyrese, he's so fast. Like, that's what um, – mm. Zach Lowe was talking about that. I think it was him. Um, just like he will grab that rebound and sprint up the court super quickly. And then, you know, in two, three dribbles, he's on the other side and he's really pushing that defense. So whether you get like a an assist out of that or a dunk or a quick transition or just the other team gets back and now there's mismatches because they're just guarding whoever is open, you know, it's it's a really fun and exciting way to, to play basketball. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he's as fast as De'Aaron Fox because um, I think I think Fox is a little like slippier. He, he's a little longer, a little, little uh, just the limbs are are stretchier. But Maxi, that, that's a good point. I, I uh, the fast break stuff. Um, you know, if you don't have to have the ball in James Harden's hands, plotting it down or definitely Embiid in the half court. Um, I think you know it's unlocking some some different stuff that Sixers fans haven't really seen in a while. Yeah, yeah, and especially like I feel like when you're doing that, you're often getting uh, the other team like the first guy to not go for the rebound. You know, <laughs> whether it's uh, I don't know, like the big man who's trying not to run up and down the court or something like that. Like you can get a favorable matchup quite often with that. But no, I agree. The Sixers are definitely overachieving, especially since they've been able to do it without Harden. I think even if they beat Milwaukee, they'd be feeling much much better about themselves. You know, being the I mean, then favorites or second favorites in the East without James Harden is like, uh, yeah, we can trade James Harden. We don't need this guy. But And then they also have some good bench pieces and make moves by here and then if they figure out what they've got. No, I, I, it's, a, it's an exciting team. I'm excited to watch them. Let's take the momentum off that because we talked about the Bucs, right? How, how they lost uh, against the Bucs on opening night. And let's talk about Milwaukee, right? Because they're they are two and two. Um, 
to to um, being at that 500 record again four games like like let's let's calm down a little bit but four games in i don't think anyone expected a 500 record they beat philly by one point on their opening night um they they won at home against miami so you know good win but then they lost um against atlanta who has been an ascending team and they lost at toronto um so the golden boy right damian lillard he's shooting 29 percent from three <laughs> uh that's pretty bad um and the worst part um what's been really weird about the bucks is that they've been like a defensive nightmare they're like fully transitioned away from being that defensive team to now being i guess an offensive team right if you look at offensive rating they are the 11th best team uh in the league in offensive rating you know you'd prefer that to be top 10 definitely but in terms of defensive rating they're the second worst team in the league, uh, 119 points per game. Uh, the only team that's worse than them is the Indiana Pacers, and that's because the Pacers gave up 155 points against the Boston Celtics last night. So, you know, it's a little too early to claim, uh, like I said, but, you know, maybe we're a little too ambitious in terms, or they were too ambitious about new coach and then, honestly, a full 180 in scheme because of swapping out Drew for Dame. Um what, what do you think about, about the Dame thing, Duncan? I mean, I think he's going to turn it around, right? He, he's too good of a player, but are you like are you worried about this defense at all? Um, you know, this reminds me of, like, Clay Thompson last year. Do you even remember that? He, like, shot, like, below 30% or 35%. He was just shooting horribly from three for, like, the first month of the season. And then he turned it around. And he led the league in threes last year. Um. Yeah, he had like a career, uh, like almost a career year. He was back to being vintage clay again. Yeah. So I think, you know, shooters shoot, get the kinks out now. Um, I, I'm looking forward to maybe seeing Dame and Giannis play more off each other. Um, I haven't watched the, the last two games, but I watched the, the Hawks game, and it just kind of felt like it was Dame's turn to do something or Giannis's turn to do something. Um, I think they should take advantage of the pick and roll. Uh pick and pop all of that but i'm not sure i think i think they're gonna be fine they'll get there but they need a third option to step up for when uh they're matched up against someone like the hawks and they have it's weird comp but Dejounte murray locked dame up i think dame shot like 12 percent or 16 percent or something like that um and had like six points in that game um, and the Hawks low-key have size to match up with Giannis too, and they don't necessarily... It, it's weird because it's a, it's a league about wings, and <laughs> neither of those teams really have wings, so maybe that's it, honestly, is they need a little more definition at wing, at like that like guard-forward combo position, um, and that would be Chris Middleton. Uh, how has he been doing, to be honest? Because he's kind of been an afterthought. Yeah, so here's a uh, here's a little snapshot at Chris Middleton's season. Uh, he has only played in three of the four games, starting all three. Uh, he's playing 17 minutes a game, um, seven points a game. He's shooting 36.8% from the field and 22% uh, from the three-point line. So I don't know if he's still hurt. I don't know if they're like load managing him. And I don't know if he's just old. But you know he 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 was the de facto you know in many ways he was the second option in the championship run and if not he was he was 
2A or 2B next to Holiday. And right now, he's like 5, right? Uh, Malinique Beasley's been better. Bobby Portis has been better. And uh, Brooke Lopez is just a better player right now. Jay Crowder has been playing more minutes than, than Chris Middleton. So yeah, it, it's super weird. Um, I'm honestly like just because of the uh, the peak that this team had due to their defense and that they could win any game because of their defense, I don't think that's there. And until like I, I see the full offensive firepower, and again, like I said, how they changed those identities, they're only 11th in offense. So until I fully see them like lean towards that other way and, and have the juice, sort of like how the Celtics were a defensive team under Brad Stevens, and now they just chuck a million, th- or under Udoka too, and now they just chuck a million threes. Um, they completely slanted the other way. I think I need more of like the slant. All right. You ready for my Yukon bias here? Oh, uh, yeah. oh, here we go. Yeah, go ahead. Dame is going to average out at like 34% from three, right? So he's going to have some crazy shooting games. He's going to move up maybe even higher than 34%. So the rest of the season, he's going to be on fire. They're just going to need someone to play the defense for Dame. They don't care about points once Dame and Giannis are going. Andre Jackson right there he played like three minutes had a steel dunk all that i'm, I'm ready for the, all the andre jackson on, on your best player kind of vibes because he he can play he can guard the one to three and you get then you've got it and you're good in the post with Giannis and brooke lopez and dame doesn't even have to be involved on the defensive side <laughs> yeah i mean i mean it, like bias aside he definitely can give them juice right they need energy because chris middleton is old <laughs> He is, he's not pushing the ball up the court in, in transition. Neither is uh, Jay Crowder. Um, so yeah, hopefully, you know, he had his first NBA bucket and it was off, it was off a, a, a steal, a tip ball. He passed forward to himself and had a fast break dunk, which is like a very Andre Jackson play. And I'd like to see him play more, you know, bias or not. Um, so let, let's go again to, to the overachievers because we've run out of underachievers. We, we love talking about misery, I guess. Um, weather's getting colder. We're all bitter. Uh, so let, let's go to an overachiever here. And I want to go with um, the, the Toronto Raptors, right? And you're probably wondering, Peter, how are they an overachiever? They're two and three, right? Um, they're an overachiever because I, I, I didn't think they'd be very good. And mainly because I, I want to have a little Scotty Barnes love session. Uh, he's been super good. Um, Pascal Siakam is still on the team, but he's seemingly taken the leap over him. Uh, Scotty is averaging all career highs in his splits, 51.9% from the field, 42.9% from three out of Scotty Barnes. Wow. Uh, and 78.6% from the free throw line. So maybe that's more of a fluke than three point percentage. Uh, free throw line, free throws are more of like a, an indicator of how good a shooter is. Um, and he's averaging over 20 a game, first time ever. Double-digit rebounds for the first time ever. Over five assists. And he's averaging two and a half blocks. I, I, he's been a monster. There's no other way. Yeah, I see your reaction. It, it, it's absurd what he's been able to do. That's crazy. I would not have... If you had put those stats like with, like, guess this player, Scotty Barnes's name would never have come out of my mouth. No, no. I, I don't think it would have come out of my mouth. Like 20, 10, 5, two and a half block. I don't even know who I would go. It's a really weird stat line. Yeah, and then you put the shooting 
stuff on there. Yeah, I guess the 78.6% from the free throw line is a little weird. It's it's closer than three. You should be doing better than that, Scotty. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, to, to his credit, he's not the only one who operates like that. Jalen Brown, is is he's been very good from three this season, but he always is a walking brick at the free throw line. Something I guess it's standing clutch. Brick. It's clutch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but he needs to work on that. Um, but, uh, but, um, I said, I, I, we took the leap over Siakam. Siakam's been fine, right? It's not like Siakam's dropped off a cliff. Um, the other guy worth mentioning here is Dennis Shooter, right? They get him from the Lakers. Um, and he's just picked up where, uh, where he left off there. Uh, he was on team Germany in the world cup. So he got a lot of run there and he played well. And right now he's averaging 16 and nine, uh, 16 points, nine assists. Uh, the nine assists would be a career high for uh, Dennis Shooter at this point of his career, which um, it seems like th- this might be one of the best signings of the offseason, being able to bring in a veteran point guard to replace Fred Van Fleet. And, I mean, they're different players, but maybe not as much of a drop-off in, pr- in production as you would anticipate. Yeah, I mean, I really like the Schroeder um, talking point, and I think he got his mojo back because not only did he play well, but Germany won the FIBA World Cup. And getting that win gives you some confidence, you know, going to a new scheme, new new offense and all of that. Like, it seems like it's, it's picking up right where he left off. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the other guys for Toronto have been, uh, I've just been like, like what, uh, um, <laughs> they've been as expected. Uh, OG and Anubi has been fine. You know, he's still in Toronto uh, for better or worse. Definitely. I don't know. Uh, maybe they should have traded him. Maybe they shouldn't have. Um, and actually, as we're speaking, Duncan, uh, we have a final score in the Toronto Raptors just lost to the Philadelphia 76ers by 15 points. Oof. So the Sixers definitely still on our overachievers. They're now 3-1. and one. Uh, The Raptors are now 2-4. and four, So I don't know. I want to talk about Scotty Barnes. Uh that's, that's all I really wanted to do. So, luckily, Duncan, you have another overachiever for us to bring us home. An yeah, alternate. An alternate overachiever that is currently down 20 points to the Pelicans. Um, so oh, God. The Detroit Pistons, they're 2-3, and three, might become 2-4. and four, But regardless if they beat the Pelicans or not tonight, I still think they're an overachiever because they had a top five pick last season. They were like, what, the, had the second or third worst record in the league? Um mm-hmm. They their losses they they beat Chicago and Milwaukee Milwaukee wow they lost to Portland Miami and OKC and the record isn't super indicative but they're young guys that it's coming together there's promise something they haven't had for a while Jalen Duran uh, is averaging two blocks per game he posted a picture I don't know if this was draft night or recently but it came across my timeline recently but he got drafted by the Hornets and traded on trade night and. He posted a side-by-side of Kobe wearing the Hornets hat because Kobe was also drafted by the Hornets and traded. So, Oh, uh, my God. I like, the con- I like the confidence, and he, he's fun to watch. You know, Maybe maybe a little too much confidence, but... I'm a Jalen yeah. Duran fan, so yeah. No, me, uh, me too. 15 points, 13 rebounds as a second-year player on a roster that's littered with centers. You know, that's probably got to be some good practice sessions. I don't know. <laughs> and yeah, too. Oh, yeah. And uh, James Wiseman and... Mm-hmm. Leaving someone out too. A Mark uh, Bagley. That's the last one. Yeah, Cade's got twenty-three points, seven assists. Uh, they're top ten in defensive rating, and the team as a whole is forty percent from the three-point line. So, they're they're looking good. However, 
they're averaging 17.6 turnovers a game. I think that's that just young game kind of mentality and immaturity that's just going to get better over time. So, you know, you kind of whittle down the turnovers a little bit and keep up those efficiencies and they're going to be looking good because winning games with 17 turnovers is, I mean, it's impressive that they're even getting up there. But And then the last guy I want to talk about is Asar Thompson, uh, one of those twins, and his twin, Amen, has not been doing fantastic on the Rockets, but I think that's because Asar's just had a much better role defined for him. They kind of gave him like the defensive assignment, said, hey, you're going to go up against the best or second best player on the other team and do what you can do. And he's been averaging 10 points and 10 rebounds, well, 9.8 rebounds, but we'll give him the 10 rebounds, give him the double-double, four assists and two blocks per game as someone who's kind of playing the two for them. So, uh, yeah, an exciting team to watch. Up and up. They've got all the pieces. The coaching, the scheme seems to be there. I really just think, you know, you get a little turno- fewer turnovers and a little more gameplay together as a unit, and they could sneak into the play-in or be kind of what the, happened to the Thunder like this year, where next year they're really set up for success. Uh, uh, a point about Duran, I believe he was the youngest player in the league last year. Um so him doing this so quickly, I think is really, really, really promising for Pistons fans, especially because, you know, they've been going through the the carousel of centers. Uh, is it Wiseman, Bagley? They trade for Bagley and they give him a contract. They trade for Wiseman, give a contract. Uh, they drafted Stewart, gave him a contract. Um, seems like Duran might be the one. Did they have Jeremy Grant for a while, right, too? Not maybe more of a four, but still a lot of big men up there. Yeah, they uh, they were loaded in the front court. I mean, maybe not loaded in a good way, but they certainly had a lot of players on their roster who played those positions. A lot of traffic, let's say. <laughs> but yeah, yes. I mean, J- Jalen Duren is only 19 years old. That is a weird thing to say out loud. He's actually only 19. Days. Yeah, him and Jason Tatum, same age. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just 15 and 13 points and rebounds. Crazy. Uh, aside from like the individual stuff, um, if you're wondering, like, 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 are are these numbers legit and everything in terms of net rating, right? So we're talking about the difference between offensive rating, defensive rating, um, you know, okay, the net of the ratings, hence net rating. Uh, number one team in the league in net rating is the Celtics. Uh, makes sense; they've been blowing people out and they're undefeated. The worst net rating in the league is the Memphis Grizzlies. Makes sense; they are winless, right? So the Detroit Pistons are 15th in the league in net rating. They are, by all accounts, as average or like as middle of the pack as you can get. Uh, they have a one point, or sorry, that's the Nets. They have a 1.2 net rating. Um, so they think they're the slightest bit uh, um, better uh, offensively uh, than defensively, the, you know, outscoring um, opponents. So. Uh, I don't think they'll end up being 41 and 41. I don't think they'll be a 500 team, but it's promising that I think they might have a lot more wins than some people thought. Again, uh, we have them as like the, around the third worst, second, third worst team, in the East, like definitely out of Washington. Um, some people add them as the worst team in the East. So I feel, feel happy that we didn't have them in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they're last year's thunder where the record is not indicative of the, the gameplay. You know, they're putting it together. Yeah. Um, so, so that does it um, for after further review, unless you have anything else about the, the Pistons, Duncan. 
no, I'm just excited to keep watching them play and hope that they stop beating on the Hornets every time they play them. Mm-hmm. Hey, every every team has their as their their team that they don't want to run into. Uh, for the Celtics, I it used to be the Indiana Pacers, but then they won by fifty five. So no Tyrese Halliburton, but but maybe that's uh, that's off their back. Yeah, they just don't want to run into Tyrese Halliburton. Maybe that's just it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, he he is he's in the burn book. Uh, Chris Middleton is also in there though, so <laughs> I don't know where that is anymore. Hey, Chris Michael Jordan Middleton when he's playing against the Celtics. He uh, seriously, seriously, you don't need to remind me. <laughs> uh, but we are going to debut a brand new segment. Uh, it's called League Pass Game of the Weeks. So what we're going to do is for the next seven days, we're going to tell you the best game uh, for you to watch. Um, and because it's the League Pass game game of the weeks, uh, none of these selections will be available on national TV. So if you have League Pass, shout out to you. You can watch this. If you don't have League Pass, maybe you can uh, support your team in unconventional methods, right? You can you can find other ways to watch the, the games. Yeah, creative. Oh my gosh, I forget. Yeah, a little tangent. Uh, I was watching a League Pass game, and there was some player from Belgium, maybe that rings a bell for you there was some young player mm. from belgium and in the commentator is saying like oh he's watching all the games and at some point the commentator says oh and we talked to him he didn't have cable so we had to find other ways to watch the games <laughs> uh-huh. you're saying that on cable like girl like we, we know we know how he was watching the games he was not paying for some 3 a.m streaming service in belgium he, he was streaming on that was sportsearch.net like let's be real <laughs> and uh i think you've said this before duncan like in europe isn't it just hard to find like the nba being broadcast let alone like the time zone difference yeah they're not going to pay expensive rights to play something at three in the morning or i think they have a league pass as well so maybe just get league pass but then you're just not going to watch the national games honestly i never even i was never even awake at two in the morning to to turn on the tv and see if i could find a uh, NBA TV or ESPN streamed game. So maybe that's on me. I'm not dedicated enough. That's, that's why I'm not in the NBA. But uh, that, that's the only reason. Yeah, the only reason. The, the shot's there. <laughs> yeah, no, no. The shot plays. Shot plays at any level. Uh, uh, that, that's the only thing holding hold me back. Uh, so yeah, let's go through the next seven days of the week. Uh, uh, the best games. All right. So we'll start with Friday, November the 3rd, because we're recording this on November the 2nd. Uh, the hot game, Warriors at the Thunder, 8 p.m. game. Uh, the, you know, the Thunder are, you know, everyone thinks they're legit. And, uh, you know, the most memorable time I can remember Warriors playing in Oklahoma City are, are twofold. You have the Game 6 Clay game. That was in Oklahoma City. And then you have the the Steph Curry-Mike Green double bang game. Uh, that was during the 73-9 Warriors season. Uh, so, so I guess those might be the, the same season, actually thinking about it anyways um uh, curry clay have had iconic moments in okc it's a whole different okc um you know realm but curry and clay are still there so tune in i don't know we're not we're not sponsored by league pass this would be a great segment if we were sponsored by them right that'd be sick yeah uh come on we'll, nba we'll send, we'll send them an email we'll send them an email yeah we'll, we'll write them a letter that'll work yeah. Hey, a little lead into uh, Saturday's choice for uh, game of the day. Kelly Oubre and the win against the Raptors tonight went five for six from three. So 23 points, uh, 61% shooting. 
the rest of his team <laughs> went four of 19. So Kelly Oubre, you know, that's a win of one by 15 points. Uh, that was all his three pointers right there. Yeah. Hey, well, he is a, he's a Phoenix Suns legend, right? He played for the Suns hundred percent. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, it's a, we get a little Kelly Oubre revenge game on Saturday, 1 PM game on a Saturday. And it's not on national TV. Super weird, by the way. Um, and so because of that, you should watch it. Um, 1 p.m. Saturday. That's our game today for Saturday. Uh, let's move through these quickly. I don't know why we're trying to convince you. Uh, we're just letting the people know. Uh, Sunday, November 5th, we have uh, Toronto at San Antonio. Uh, Toronto, they're just so long and lengthy, and they're playing Wemby, who is uh, the biggest freak in the world. Pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Monday, we got um, Pelicans at the Nuggets. You know, we, we liked how much we, we said how much we liked the Pelicans. And then the Nuggets are are the Nuggets. And so 9 p.m. game, not even too late. Not a 10, not a 10.30 for West Coast. Yeah, Monday. I could probably watch the first quarter. But yeah, Tuesday, no games. Rip. I guess for Tuesday night football, I don't know. What's what's conflicting with that there? Uh, uh, hockey, I suppose. I guess that's it. <laughs> and then uh, Wednesday, we got Celtics versus Phillies. That's going to be exciting. Not Phillies, uh, Sixers. <laughs> Put me on baseball brain for a second there. <laughs> close, close. Uh, Phillies are no longer in it, but hey, you were almost close. Almost, yeah, same city. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's funny. I, when I saw Celtic Sixers, I was like, oh, again? It's because they played each other like twice in the preseason, so it feels like they, they've played a lot. Um, so yeah, those are your league pass games of the week. Uh, let us know if you, if you watch any or if you watch the game, it ends up being a blowout, and it's a bad game. Sorry, this is just, you know, I was trying to forecast here. Uh, as we wrap up the show, we're going to get into our Q&A and polls. If you listen to us on Spotify and hit the episode description and scroll down, you will see a poll and a Q&A for every episode. You can vote, type in your answer so you have your voice heard. Um, it's been like a month, so um, you know, hopefully the people have had time to vote on our last one. Uh, so our last episode was our Western Conference tiers, and so we asked a couple of questions. Uh, our first question, our Q and A, was who is your team to watch in the West? Uh, I said Phoenix. Uh, so you know they, they've been interesting so far. Devin Booker is coming back tonight, so definitely still watch them. And then uh, Sandy Iyer said uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> uh, you can't make this stuff up, folks. Hey, better um, luck in 20 games uh i'm sorry sandy uh it, it was a good answer but uh it has not worked out um i guess still watch them right see the dumpster fire yeah i mean the only up from here right yeah Actually, um, no, it, could, it could go down <laughs> i suppose it could keep losing yeah <laughs> but uh the poll um interested to hear your opinion on this duncan was will Victor Wenbanyama win Rookie of the Year? And the people said no. People said he won't win Rookie of the Year. Uh, thoughts? I mean, barring an injury, that's that's the whole qualifier. He, he should. <laughs> uh, he's changing the way people are playing against him, um, or playing against the Spurs, or maybe even or maybe it'll be like Shaq esque, where hey, you have to have length to go against Wemby. You know, kind of like how people are building teams to go against the Joker, but. I don't know. Yeah, it's Wemby. Who am I kidding? What do you think? 
Yeah, uh, so so I did vote no just because I felt like uh, going with the field here. Uh, essentially, you know, it's Wemby or the field, which I do think was a bet on a very major sports book at one point. Um, again, we're not sponsored. So, <laughs> so uh, I do think that was a bet if you could uh, Wemby or the field. Um, and again, I, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I, I'm tooting the Brandon Miller uh, horn. I think Ooh. Phil, Phil uh, he's if he puts up big numbers, like at a certain point, if the Spurs keep losing and maybe he trails off, maybe misses some time, then it'll be like, hey, like, are we forgetting about this? Are, are we forgetting about the guy who's actually played the best, who isn't just the guy who everyone wants to win? Hey, it'll be the second time in recent memory where the rookie of the year is not the best player in that draft class and was on the Hornets <laughs> with uh, yeah. LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards, although LaMelo had maybe a better rookie season, but it's Anthony Edwards and then... Brandon Miller yeah. over Victor. Hey, I'm here for this. Puma kid. No, let's take Brandon Miller. Yeah, I'm surprised it took you took me that long to convince you. <laughs> uh, not to mention Tyrese Halliburton in, in that draft class with Ant and Lamelo. Maybe better than both of them, depending on on your opinion on that. True, true. All right. Well, well, that's all we got for the show. Looks like we're gonna clock in right under an hour. So look at us uh, keeping it nice and short, I guess. Um, so we'll be back soon. Uh, hopefully, right? Uh, we want to keep cranking these out um, with, with another episode soon about, um, about who knows what. You'll find out then. The NBA. Yeah, pro- definitely the NBA. I can, I can put good money on that. All right, we'll see you all then.